In Capernaum, Peter's wife's mum had a dreadful pain in her tum, which combined with a fever that just would not leave her made them wonder what should be done. But the Lord came and healed her that day, and at once she got up, cleared away, and cooked them all dinner. What a meal, what a winner. Praise the Lord, they said, and hooray. Do you want another one? There once was a widow of Nain, whose anguish, sorrow, and pain all began when her son, her beloved number one, dropped dead. Why? She could not explain. But the Lord, filled with love and compassion, stopped the weeping and wailing and gnashing. Compassion? No, anyway. He said, young man, arise, wake up, open your eyes, which he did in a most lively fashion. A challenge for you if you get bored, which obviously you won't because I'm preaching, uh, and you lose track somewhere along the lines and you fancy making me a limerick, I'd love you to send them to me. I'd love to hear if you're better than the limerick Bible because some of them are appalling. Uh, I would love you to have a go at making a limerick of one of the miracles of Jesus. See, that's the point we've got to in our big picture. If you're here with us on a Sunday, you'll know we've been preaching all the way through the Bible. Started in January in Genesis. We're on track for Revelation just before Christmas. And we've reached the New Testament. And we've been thinking about what the Bible really is all about, about Jesus. So we've made it to his uh, second year This is his year of fame, his year of reputation growing, his year of popularity. People just couldn't get enough of him. He intrigued them, and people just followed him around. It was a year where in all four of the Gospels, we hear that Jesus left people asking, who on earth is this man? No one who met him wasn't bothered by him in one way or another. Some positively, others felt completely annoyed by him. No one who met him didn't leave an encounter with him, just somehow a bit different. This Jesus was attractive, not in looks, the Bible tells us that, poor Jesus, but in character. He inspired, he offered something different Something different than the teachers of the time. His teaching brought God alive in a way that the rabbis didn't do it. His life shined as something new. It's fair to say, meeting Jesus changes people. It's true in the past. It's true today. Meeting Jesus back in the New Testament times left people completely changed. It's an undeniable fact. We've had three stories read to us already of the fact that lives were completely changed by an encounter with Jesus. Sam, Naomi and Liz have already said to us that their lives are going to be different because they have met Jesus. It's the same for me. It's the same for many of you. But there are loads of instances in this second year of Jesus's life, there's just a couple there, of people meeting with him and being completely, completely changed. Think of those fishermen. They were fishing. That's what they knew. That's what they've been doing. They were called, though, for something different. Jesus came along and they had to give up their everything become fishers of men, followers of Jesus, disciples, founders of the church that was then birthed in later years. People were changed 
by Jesus. So what was so incredible about meeting with Jesus? Why did people flock from far and wide to see him? Why did the closest to him stick with him even when things got hard? What was so undeniably attractive about him? I could talk for a long time about this. There are loads of reasons. I'm not going to. I'm going to talk for a few, uh, about a few. And the first one is very, very important. You see, he was the God of heaven. Nothing was impossible for him. We had that story, didn't we, of the boat? Jesus and his disciples are off to the other side of the lake. And Jesus falls asleep. He's having a good snooze. It's been a busy day. And a storm hits. The disciples panic and wake him up, fearing they're in great danger. Think about this for a moment. You see, the king of heaven and earth is asleep in your boat, and you wake him up because you think you might get drowned. Isn't that a bit bizarre? It says to us they didn't have a clue who was in that boat with them. So he wakes up, I should imagine a bit like me on a Monday morning, slightly grumpy, and he says these words, Uh, stop. And the wind and the waves stopped. They just stopped. The storm ended. Has anybody done that this week? (laughs) If so, I'd like to take you with me to Soul Survivor next year because it always rains when we're camping. You see, it's not something that just happens. Jesus, the King of Heaven, was in the boat with them. And he stood up and he said, stop. And the elements, everything around them, obeyed. No wonder it left them saying this. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Who is this Jesus? The disciples' eyes were opened over the coming year. They saw that this guy was more than a teacher, more than just another one of God's prophets. It took them some time, but eventually they realized he was God. He was the one who created wind and waves, the one who before all time joined with his father and shouted, let there be light. And there was. He's the one who could hold the world in his hands. And unfortunately, he's the one who knows how many gray hairs I have on my head. And the answer of that is too many. Frankly, after this encounter with Jesus, The disciples should have expected him to do anything. And that is what he goes on to do. Even in that chapter about the storm, it goes on to talk about a guy who was healed from a whole army of demons, a girl that's raised from the dead, and a woman who's healed after 12 years of bleeding. This Jesus was all-powerful. Nothing was impossible for him. Nothing could stand against him. And he was the one who built the foundations of the earth and who had the power to do all the miracles that was needed. You may say hallelujah. Thank you. You see, Paul goes on to write later on about the fact that Christ, Jesus, was the visible image of the invisible God. He goes on to say he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavens and the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. 
And then as that says, he existed before anything else and he holds all of his creation together. This is who was in that boat with the disciples. This is who they met. They met the God of heaven living on earth, dwelling in Jesus. I wonder what you would do if you met the God of heaven. Second reason, though, that uh, they found him irresistible at this time was that his teaching was absolutely incredible. Many saw and still see Jesus as one of the greatest teachers of history. Take the Sermon on the Mount, for example. It would have lasted many hours, but we get a glimpse of what he said here. Even just the Beatitudes, just one section of it was revolutionary. Music to the people's ears. It was what they were longing to hear. God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hungry and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. You see, the people were hanging on Jesus' teaching. I don't know if you've ever been to a sermon where you just could have listened to that person for hours. Jesus was like that. People lay before him all day. They missed lunch. That's scandalous to hear his teaching. It was hardly surprising, though, that Jesus' teaching got him into a bit of trouble with the religious leaders. You see, he would often teach things that they wouldn't even dare to say. He assumed the voice of God, and that got him in a little bit of trouble. And what about his parables? They were nuggets of gold to people's ears. The kingdom of heaven is like the love of a father. His parables brought things alive for them. The people knew what it was to lose a sheep. I don't, but they did. They understood for the first time the nuggets of gold of heaven that Jesus was sharing with them. Jesus' teaching was so relevant, and yet it was so powerful. Jesus grew, drew crowds after crowds because his teaching was sweet music to his ears. But what else? See, Jesus was God. And his teaching about heaven was incredible. But even more than that, he was a healer. He was a miracle worker. Isn't that an incredible story that we've just had about Matthew, in Matthew 8, the last one, the lovely moment about Peter's mother-in-law. She has a fever, she's ill in bed, and Jesus comes, touches her, and she jumps up, she puts the kettle on. I wonder what you'd do if you just got healed like that. Put the kettle on? Probably. You see, this Jesus cares about the needs of the desperately sick and the slightly sick. He cares about the needs of those whose mind is at war and those whose body is at war. He is a God who knows even the deepest needs, the deepest solutions. He is, in fact, the one who healed those who could not walk, those who could not talk. Jesus healed those who were troubled by spirits and brought those back who were dead. Jesus healed those who were blind and those who had been sick from birth. Jesus healed those who were full of faith and those who had no faith at all. Jesus healed those who were sick And he healed those who didn't even know they were sick. Jesus met physical needs as well as spiritual needs, emotional needs and family needs. Jesus fed those who were hungry and fed those who were spiritually lost. Jesus healed. 
Jesus met needs. Jesus showed loud and clear that God still cared about them. Jesus was a healer. Jesus called on the power of heaven and incredible things happen. Have to remember that the Jews weren't expecting this. God had been very quiet for many years and Jesus bursts on the scene and starts saying loud and clear, God cares. God cares about the fact that you have been sick for so long. God wants to be at work in your life. God cares about your family. God cares. God cares. Jesus came with what people really needed. He came not only to heal them physically, but to feed them spiritually. But also, Jesus was an adventurer. For a moment, think about being a follower of Jesus. They got called and immediately they were chucked into an adventure of faith. How would you feel if you had hung around with Jesus just for one day while he rose people from the dead, while he healed the sick, while he took a couple of loaves and he turned it into incredible food? How would you feel if you got into bed one night and felt, I just walked on water? That's incredible. You see, the people who were following Jesus entered an adventure. Jesus called those to follow him to an adventurous, filled life. It wasn't dull for a moment. Following Jesus was an adventure. Jesus was hugely popular in this year. Jesus did incredible things. Jesus was very attractive. Jesus still is. Jesus has not changed. You see, Jesus is still God. The disciples had the privilege of having the God of heaven in that boat with them. But do you know what? God's in your boat. The God of heaven is in your boat. And do you know what? The God of heaven can change the circumstances you are in. Just like that. The God of heaven longs to do heaven-type things in your life. The God of heaven, the maker of the universe, is in your boat. So when you go to school, when you go shopping, when you're out with friends, when you're at work, when you're in a difficult situation, the God of heaven is with you. Some of you, in fact, quite a lot of you saw me in Starbucks yesterday. I'm looking around. Loads of you saw me in Starbucks writing this talk. And you may think, aha, that explains it. It's caffeine-filled. I don't usually write my talk in Starbucks. But God had told me that morning I had to. So I wambled down into uh, town with my laptop and sat there. God even told me which seat to sit in, and I did. I had uh, a lot to do yesterday morning. So I'm going, God, what's going on? What's going on? Why do you want me to do this? He said, I'm going to use you this morning, Claire. Okay, God, right, sit there, write my sermon. And uh, he said, I want you to expect me, the God of heaven, to be at work. Do you know what? He was. I had so many conversations, so many moments with people. I even got to pray for someone who had a hideous cough next to me. 
the God of heaven was in my boat yesterday morning asking me to be used by him. He was doing things. He was at work. He was planting seeds of his gospel and he was there. I wouldn't have expected him to do that unless he'd asked me to. The God of heaven was in that boat with me. And therefore, nothing is impossible. Go tomorrow into school. Go tomorrow into work, knowing that nothing is impossible for God and see what happens. Maybe he'll calm the wind and the waves in your own life. Maybe he'll reveal something of who he is, of a miracle. Maybe he will use you as a miracle worker. Jesus is still God. Nothing, nothing is impossible. His teaching also is still really relevant, and we've discovered that over the course of this year. Jesus' teaching is still nuggets of gold to us. Let me give you one example. This is an a advertisement that uh, broke my heart a while ago, actually, um, about what our society is like. You see, we live in a world uh, where none of us, none of us can escape the pressure of how we look about ourselves And maybe that is the happiest she'll ever be about her appearance. That's a shock. And if that's what our world is like, then surely Jesus' teaching, if it's still relevant today, has something to say about that. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. If you decide to follow God, live a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. I don't worry about that. There is far more in your life than food in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. You count far more birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever got taller by even as much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes a difference? Instead, look at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wild flowers. See, God created you beautiful. God doesn't want us to flap about what we look like, even though we did take a while doing our hair. God teaching is as relevant today to the society of today as it was even then. I could have used many other examples. But Jesus also heals today. This is a fact. And we're going to watch something uh, on the screen that's really touched me over this last week. You're going to have to just bear with me a second because it needs to come up. I couldn't get the technology to work. But I'd love you to listen to what Ellie Mumford, uh, a speaker in the Vineyard Church, has got to say about God healing today. This is an incredible sermon. I've put it on my blog if you want to uh, listen to the rest of it. But hopefully the technology will work and uh, we will give it a go. No, you could listen to us some more. I'm very sorry. You've got to listen to me. Wow is all I can say. And some of us here have got those stories to share, maybe not including the knitting, but of God healing us. God healing us on the inside, God healing us on the outside, God healing us in major ways, God healing us in smaller ways. Why don't we expect God to do that some more? The Jesus who healed, the God of heaven is still the God of heaven today. And he still 
longs to be at work in our lives. He still longs to heal us. She tells many more stories, incredible stories of God healing. I long for that to happen in this church. I long for that to happen on the streets outside. I long for that to happen in your and my workplace, our school. You see, God still heals today. And there are all kinds of reasons why we're disillusioned with that. But I'm not going to go there today. Why don't we together agree that we're going to call on the God of heaven to be at work here amongst us? Wouldn't that be amazing? And actually, therefore... This is linked. You see, God wants to take us on an adventure. The thing that's happened here today with the baptism is these guys saying, I'm in to that adventure. Their rucksacks are packed. They're ready to go and serve God. They have seen what God has done through Jesus in the uh, New Testament. They've seen the stories of Jesus healing, the stories of many coming to know him, the stories of people being raised from the dead, and we are ready to go in his name on his adventure. Maybe you think following Jesus is a bit boring. That's so not true. If you look at who Jesus really is, and then you say, I'm going to sign up to that, and I'm going to expect that the God of heaven is in my boat, and I'm going to live for him each and every day, he's going to take you on an adventure. Fact. I wanted an adventure to Barbados. I ended up in Ipswich. Uh, It's not always how we think it's going to work out. But boy, has been coming coming to Ipswich been an adventure in every single way. Do I trust that tomorrow will be an adventure. I do. I do, because the God of heaven's in my boat. Do I long for these guys to do incredible things in the name of Jesus? I do. Do I long for you guys to do things in the name of Jesus? I do, because actually, Jesus said, I look at what my Father is doing, and I do those things. And that's the same for us. Let's look to see what God is doing. And let's say, I'm up for that extreme adventure, whatever that is. And let us go with the God of heaven. And if we do that, do you know what? We're going to see our streets changed. We're going to see people come to know Jesus in incredible ways. You're going to see your family transformed. You're going to see heaven come to earth just like it did when Jesus was walking around on it. That's exciting. That's encouraging. That's the thing that God is calling us to do. Let's pray together.